Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim, and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. We're back after what seemed like the longest break ever, and hopefully we won't have missed a step. This week we're talking Mr. Ben, Banana Man, and Williams, Wish Wellingtons. Three short British cartoons with three heroic and somewhat iconic characters. And I'm intrigued to find out if producer Paul has heard of any of them. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever is producer Paul. And have you heard of all three of these shows today? Um, hey man, how's it going? Yeah, uh, what, a, what a break this has been. It's been felt, like, felt like forever since we last sat down to record. Yeah. I have heard of all three. And I watched two out of three as a kid. So... Which one didn't you watch as a kid? Banana Man. How did you not watch Banana Man? I would have, I would have, I would have thought you would not have heard of Williams with Wellingtons. Oh no, the thing tune or, or, was banging. Or never, uh, or never watched it. No, but, but not Banana Man. Not Banana Man. Yeah. Man, even Americans used to watch Banana Man. Yeah, I have no idea because I had the pajamas of Banana Man, but still never watched it. Weird. You know, I think it used to come on. Because sometimes I used to come home for lunch. I used to come on then. So I used to come on, I think, around one or whatever. I wasn't allowed to come home for lunch. My parents didn't want me in the house. So I got banished. Oh, no, yeah. It was, uh, what was, it? what was it? Yeah. Or we'll probably talk about it when we're talking about the pod. Obviously, you know, if, if you guys don't know or know, I, I took um, more time than I was uh, allowed to take off, probably, when I broke my arm in year three. And all these cartoons used to come on at the, in the morning and I used to watch. Just sit there watching cartoons. Well, we try, try and, you know, put on the um, educational stuff. So, you know, if El Nombre was on or if Word and Pic- Words and Pictures was on, then, you know, I would... And come outside. I to, yeah, I, I would be obliged to watch those if I'm going to watch the cartoons as well. So You're like, oh, mum. My arm feels a little bit iffy still. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, no, I, 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 I took off so much time at school. I mean, if if this is now, probably would not have been allowed. Yeah, if you'd probably have been back in school after. They had to hold my ass back to school <laughs> and everything. But like back then, ninety six probably it was or ninety five. Yeah. Was it ninety five when I broke my arm? Was it ninety six? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been ninety five when I broke my arm. Well, 995 was a significant year for me for so many reasons and probably a story for another podcast and another day. How did you break your arm? you know what? I fell over. Just took a nasty bump running because it was um, playtime, end of playtime. Everyone's rushing to go to the classroom. I, you know, was rushing along with them. Went into the crowd and I went splat on my arm and it, it broke. So, uh, yeah, you know what? So much things happened. I feel like so much things happened in 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 the little uh, in the little break that we took. So yeah. many things. Yeah, it's been. Do you know what? It feels like a really long break. I don't know about you. I felt kind of rusty, rusty getting back into it. So many people like passed away as well. So DMX, I think, was like the beginning of May, maybe not beginning of May, but like sort of April little time when he passed and that was like such a huge such a huge shock man because he was like 
he's an incredible like rapper and loved his music and and, and everything. Got the new album out as well. So um, yeah, and then who else? So you had um Paul Ritter who was in um, Friday Night Dinner. Who, oh yeah, uh, of course, yeah. Passed away. That that was just so shocking. Uh, and I can't remember his name, but um, Freddie Jones from School of Rock just last week. Yeah. That was like yeah. I mean, and you know what? It's crazy. I watched it the other day, and then the next day it was like, yeah, he, you know, was hit by a, a car, and um, I can't remember her name, but like Ampol from Peaky Blinders. Oh yeah! Wow, God, it's... I didn't know she was married to Damian Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know either, but then I kind of got an inkling when uh, he was talking about her on Twitter. Yeah, but like it wasn't. Yeah, she, Helen, Helen McCory. That's it. And that that was like, damn, because yeah, like I like she's just absolutely brilliant as Aunt Paul in uh, in Peaky Blinders. Yeah, she's just, she's outstanding in that role. And what else? Have you watched the Friends reunion? Oh no, I didn't think it was out yet. I know everyone's been talking about it, but it's, I thought it's it was on um, Sky Documentaries. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, right. yeah so it, 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 I, mean, I mean, not Sky Documentaries, but it should be like you know on your Sky. somewhere on Sky, yeah. Yeah, because it came on Sky One the other day. I mean, I, I actually, actually really liked. It. I thought it was really good. Was it like an a- actual episode? James Corden was like hosting it. It's like, oh, God's sake! Just it didn't need that fool. Right? Yeah, it did not need James Corden. There wasn't enough Janice for me. <laughs> she should have had a whole segment yeah. dedicated to her. But you know what? She was great. She came and she did the whole voice. You know that you need a fast talking New Yorker, Chandler Bing, all of that. It was just there. Yeah, that was that was no. It was it was a really good um, reunion show, and uh, you know I I still I still can't knock off the idea that they um, pinched the idea from Living Single. Mm. I can't I can't, can't shake let that escape my memory. Now that I've seen Living Single, and even when they kind of talk about it and they say. Some of it was 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 kind of thing taken, and obviously they were both Warner Brothers as well, so it wasn't like a case of oh we're just gonna steal from another network or something. It was just yeah, there's an idea of Friends, and we're just gonna take it our one. We're gonna make a, a white version. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's almost exactly union. Could it be any more white? <laughs> but, uh, I see what you did. I like it. Honestly, look, I I loved Friends. The Friends reunion was great. If you are like Friends, I ain't I ain't I ain't knocking Friends or nothing like that. I I loved Friends. I, I even when it comes on now on TV, I I watch it. Uh, it's it's funny. It's hilarious. You know, we was on a break and and, and all of that. So uh, a transponster, transponster. It's like that's not even a word. You know, I need <laughs> all of that. I love it. It's great. You know. You know, deal thing. If you are like friends, yeah, watch the reunion show. It's a, it's really really good. Cause yeah, nobody knows what Chandler's job title is, and they lose the house. And uh, good stuff, good stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, Mr. Ben because that came out in uh, all the way in February nineteen seventy one, which I didn't realize how old it was. And uh, some of the things happening in the world. Idi Amin asks Milton Obote and appoints himself president and well, dictator of Uganda. 
Richard Nixon installs secret taping system in the White House. Northern Ireland Prime Minister James Chichester Clark holds a meeting with Catholic Cardinal of Ireland William Conway. The first, the first such meeting between men holding these offices since 1921. Wonder was in the cinemas. And Another Day by uh, Paul McCartney was in the charts. Funnily enough, uh, My Sweet Lord by George Harrison was also in the charts at the same time. So this was, I think, when um, the Beatles all kind of went solo and went all their uh, all their different separate ways, and you know had a contrasting successes one way or another. I like, I like how Ringo didn't do a damn thing music-wise. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to live off Yellow Submarine and Sun King forever, and the royalties will always come my way for those two songs. It's like fair enough. I mean, what? Yeah, that's what I would do. Just sit back and count the do money. Do you think, man? Do yeah. you think, King? Like you wrote, you you wrote two cracking, memorable Beatles songs, and they will live in infamy with you. So you don't have to necessarily do anything. But uh, yeah, it was uh, quite awkward because um, when when the Beatles did break up, John and George were hanging out with each other, and Ringo and Paul were hanging out with uh, with each other because the the breakup was quite. Uh, it was quite fractious the breakup. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a pleasant. Uh... Yeah, they, they they went their separate ways, but it didn't um, end well. But yeah, it was a. Uh, it was interesting to point out. Yeah, I could have even. I could have said either "My Sweet Lord" or "Another Day." I do think "Another Day" is Paul McCartney's best effort going solo. I think that's his. Uh, definitely his best. And uh, George Harrison has some really good songs as well. So. Uh... Oh, on on music news, actually, do you know what I've been getting right into Spotify? Because uh, I've been listening to, um, is it Ludovico and Einaudi? The uh, like this um, kind of classical p- pianist kind of music, and I've just been listening to the tracks they've been throwing up. After that, it's been really good. I quite like it. Well, yeah, because it will kind of tailor your interests and 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 whatnot. Obviously, you might have to, you know, be patient with all the ad breaks, but. Mm. I mean, what because what sparked it was because um, for some reason, the parent company of Absolute Radio decided to chuck those oh, off, yeah. the, off the FM. Greatest and then Hits put, FM now, isn't it? Greatest, I'm, I'm telling you now, Greatest Hits FM is one of the worst radio stations in the whole world ever. They don't even play that much good songs, you know? Yeah, and the, the radio DJs, right? This has gone from like Absolute Radio, which is kind of this like very contemporary, very funny um, you know, all the DJs are great on Absolute Radio, in my opinion. And in my opinion, again, the radio DJs, especially at four in the morning when I'm driving around, radio DJs on Greatest Hits FM aren't that good. They're boring. No, so... it is. It is. Because I've been, I've been driving quite a lot recently. I don't really know why. But um, yeah, I've been driving quite a lot recently. And obviously when I'm channel hopping, and I, was, I didn't even realize Grace. I'm like, what's where's Absolute? I'm not trying to look for it because Absolute was quite good. They they played some decent stuff once in a while, and and and, and it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah. And obviously, guys become Grace's FM, and they don't even play Grace hits. They play like kind of mediocre hits FM. Random but... ass songs that I ain't even heard <laughs> of in like how many years? It's like Adonga breaking my heart. Like, okay, then, you know, play something else from Elton John. Damn it! Like, don't you know? It might be. It could just be a case of, hey, we we can only afford these certain type of songs. But now it's just, yeah. I mean, to be fair, for me. Don't That's go breaking it. my heart is a banging tune though. 
It is, but you know, <laughs> give me something else. Yeah. You know? Give me I guess why they call it the blues or something like that. Don't 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 stick to the cheap ass Elton John song. The harmonica in that in uh I guess that's why they call it the blues is amazing. Yeah, it's just just, just just play something like that. But you know what? This is this is yeah, it is it is what it is. And uh Smooth FM and Magic, which is gonna be my uh, go to's now. Agreed to magic and sometimes radio two's alright. Radio two, no. I mean radio four if I'm gonna have to branch out. So uh anyway, Mr. Ben. So this was a character created by David McKee, who appears in several children's books and an animated TV series of the same name, originally transmitted by the BBC. In both the books and the TV series, Mr. Ben's adventures take on a similar pattern. Mr. Ben, a man wearing a black suit and bowler hat, leaves his house at 52 Festive Road, visits a fancy dress costume shop where he is invited by the mustachioed, fez-wearing shopkeeper to try on a particular outfit. He leaves a shop through a magic door at the back of the changing room and enters a world appropriate to his costume, where he has an adventure which usually contains a moral before the shopkeeper reappears to lead him back to the changing room and the story comes to an end. Mr. Ben returns to his normal life but is left with a small souvenir of his magical adventure. Additionally, scenes before and after his adventure usually have some connection to it, such as the games the children are playing in the street as he passes. David McKee got the inspiration for Mr. Ben from Festing Road in Putney, where he used to live. The image of Mr. Ben himself was based on the artwork The Businessman by Michaela Mitchell. And McKee had the house next door at 54 Festing Road, where residents installed an engraved paving slab in his honour in November 2009. And what he said, David McKee was, and I quote, I think it was because in the first book I drew myself looking out of the window and I thought it would be quite nice to have him next door. So that was, you know, the whole idea of, you know, him being next door at Festing Road. And McKee said that he always thought of Mr. Ben having the first name William. A bit weird having two first names, but uh, there you go. And what he said was, I'm very fond of Mr. Ben. When you create a character, it's very much like your children. You have to give him a certain amount of attention and a certain amount of liberty as well. And McKee wrote and animated with Ian Lawless 13 Ben episodes for the BBC between 1971 and 1972. And these episodes were repeated twice a year for 21 years. And sadly, McKee has not benefited financially to the extent he might have. I signed a contract where I only got one-off payment and no repeat fees. But I've done quite well from a number of other things, and I'm still exhibiting paintings. Man, that sucks. Remember we were talking about this in uh, Postman Pat? How, um, you know, dude dude never really got... Paid. Yeah, he never got he paid, never got his due. And obviously he had to come up with Rosie and Jim because conglomerates took over and they kind of went went off and did their own, with their own um, thing. But, you know, it's, it's, Mr. Ben is quite... Quite big. I wouldn't say it's the biggest, but it's just big enough. Dang. But uh, yeah, and according to Mr. Ben's Little Book of Life, very little of McKee's original artwork created for the TV series exists today, as most of it was thrown in the rubbish skip in the 70s. Man, people need to take care of things better, man. 
And the series was voted the sixth most popular children's television program in the 2001 Channel 4 poll, 100 Greatest TV Kids Shows. Really? I mean, I like Mr. Ben, but number six? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving it top 10. Probably not even top 20. Probably not even top 50. But uh, yeah. It was also rated number 13 in the 50 Greatest Kids TV shows, which aired on Channel 5 on the 8th of November 2013. And in January 2018, the Insurance Emporium launched its first national TV ad featuring Mr. Ben. The Financial Times observed that the ad followed a current trend in the UK of using nostalgic cartoon characters in adverts such as Lloyd's Bank subsidiary Halifax. The first advert featured Mr. Ben and his, and a new supporting character, Eddie the Dog. It was the first time new content on Mr. Ben had aired on British television since the 1970s. The three supporting characters were the shopkeeper, Eddie the Dog, and Gus the Gorilla. So, Mr. Ben. Talk about Mr. Ben. The best part about Mr. Ben, by far, is the animations where he's walking down the street. Have you seen it? And his legs are going, whoa! <laughs> His legs are like moving like like twenty times faster than his body. It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of those like kind of very short, which is great. Um, kind of uh, storybook cartoons, right? And there's not much to not like about it. The vo- the, the voiceover is very soothing, and it's kind of um, just like it's a great little cartoon to just sit and watch and not have to do much else really um like i said it's not the best cartoon in the world it's not um the animation is very dated but like i said it's kind of like storybook style uh yeah i mean i watched this as a kid but i don't remember much about it apart from the fact that i used to watch it you know i was kind of saying oh i wouldn't put it in my top 10 top 20 top 30 whatever but i i did really like mr ben i watched it back now i i did like it. it was it actually it was very soothing I found myself at the beginning not really taking too much notes because I was like, oh, my God, I don't really want to miss anything. I just want to sit down. And, you know, while this was the longest out of the three, yeah. it, it went it, it, it went by the quickest for okay. me. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was 15 minutes. No, I mean, yeah, uh, they, they were very short and to the point episodes, right? It's like Mr. Ben is at home. He goes and finds the shop. He does what he needs to do. He comes back at the end, you know? Yeah. You know, you know, when I was a kid, I used to think, you know, if I'm in a dressing room and I would think the other door would be like Mr. Ben kind of thing. I used to always think that when I'd go into like... I mean, if that happens, you're going to be in serious trouble. It's going to be a stranger danger kind of situation there. <laughs> but no, you're, you're going into a different realm. I, I kind of said it was like Narnia-esque, I kind of called it. In my yeah, I, I kind of like that... Um that fantasy kind of, but real, real world mixed with fantasy kind of thing. Um, because let's face it, who wouldn't want a little bit of magic like that? You know, just even like some of the other things we watched, what was the, um, the, uh, what was it called? Um, the Australian Irish one we watched. Oh, um, they go through the doors. Is it like, uh, exchange student one kind of thing? Foreign, Foreign exchange? exchange? I think it was yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, that I mean that sort of thing. Imagine like something like that being real. Uh, I mean, yeah, like a portal. It's, and you can just... Yeah, so it's kind of that kind of almost attainable magic thing, and it's quite you know it's quite cool and quite appealing. I think to most most people. No, yeah, like that's 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 definitely uh, true. And uh, yeah, I, 
in the end, I kind of found it really endearing. I liked the stories. I liked what it was about. The whole, I, I think I used to read the books as well. Yeah, I, d- I definitely didn't have the books. Yeah, I mean, I was reading probably at this age, like Biff, Chip and Kipper still. So, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm, to be honest, I was never you reading. You should have moved on from Biff and Chip and moved on to, because we had like color schemes for books. Yeah. Oh, and we did I, as well, the little stickers on the back. Yeah. yeah, so like, I I was actually, I was a hell of a reader, actually. I was a hell of a reader at school. Hell I was part of, of that, um, for want of a better word, I was part of that thick table. Well, it's just call it the reading club, isn't it? Um, well, I was, we had like, it was like normal people like were on like different shapes. Like you had the triangle table, the square table, the whatever table. Did you have a triangle table? I don't know. No, it wasn't physically a triangle, but I mean, it was just like they were the triangle table, you know, you were the square table. And I was on the circle table, which was the um, underachievers, um, <laughs> you know, the people that might need a little bit of help. But the thing is, I remember the teacher saying, oh, you, you did this, you did really well on this. Do you want to move to a different table? And I was like, nope. So I think it was kind of my You should have moved to another table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I probably should have moved. But um... uh, By the way, I'm talking about when I was in year one and year two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you wanted to. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not talking about like you know, sixth form, <laughs> or junior school. But no, like the Mr. Ben books you used to read them. Might have watched them in wet play as well. But yeah, let's uh, let's talk about episodes we watched. Right. So I I, I watched three of these. Um, I watched the first one, which I believe was called Ordinary Street. It was Red Knight, wasn't it? Yeah. Um... Oh, no, I just wrote, that was my first note on it, Ordinary Street. Um, yeah, so the Red Knight one was the first one. I watched The Balloonist and Aladdin. I watched the uh, Balloon one as well. One thing I noticed is, that, is there like, there kind of seems to be a fascination with the Middle East around this time. And um, like you said, the guy in the shop had the Fez hat, right? There's this kind of like genie Aladdin kind of um, mystery surrounding the Middle East. Yeah. I mean, most of it's like comes from a horrible, horribly like kind of a stereotypical point of view. But um, sim 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 salabim. Yeah, and all you know, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is kind of like, um, and this is obviously back in the day when if you didn't know, you didn't know. Let's start off with the first one. So basically, postman comes to give an invitation to Mister Ben, and it's for a fancy dress. And I've kind of felt for Mister felt um, I kind of connected with mr ben here because he said he doesn't like going out or something like that and i was like yeah i'm with you right there you should have started it with the um you know how the narrator was like oh it's a saturday morning in festive road it's a very ordinary and a very ordinary street and then it goes yeah and then it goes to uh um so he goes to look for a fancy dress costume he searches high and low and then he finds this like kind of small shop and he goes and he sees a suit of armor in the in the in the window and he goes on and um, as if by magic, poof, the um, the shopkeeper appeared out of nowhere and he tries the suit of armor on and he finds the door and he goes to it and he's in this kind of rocky land and he sees some smoke and he goes to see what it is and it's a dragon and it's sad, it's a sad dragon. Um, and he says, um, oh, that's a nice costume. Where did you get it from? And then the dragon looks up at him and says, oh, um, you can't fool me. I know you're here to try and kill me. And then he kind of talks to the dragon and the dragon tells him that he used to live in the castle and he used to light fires all the time. And then someone came with matches and he was like, this is kind of like capitalism kind of thing 
where I literally he, wrote that. Uh, he just comes in and just like supply and demand, my brother. You know he ain't do nothing wrong. I'm sorry, he ain't do nothing wrong. All right, these people need matches. I'm here and I need to take up my competition. Yeah, exactly. So basically, he this this guy comes in like venture capitalist style, undercuts everyone. Matchmaker. Yeah, sacks the dragon off. So basically, he sets fire to this barn and blames the dragon. Uh, he also makes a horse, he scares a horse off, uh, the king's horse. So the horse blames the dragon and kicks a kicks a horse out of, banishes him. And then once you know, once he's the sole matchmaker in the in the kingdom, he raises the prices. Prices go up. What can you do? In the words of Marlo in the Wire, prices of brick just went up. That's what this is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know the Wire, but um, people uh, will know that. People will know that reference. A lot of you rural listeners will know when I say, "Yeah, prices of brick going up." Yeah. So that's what happened. Um, so basically, he decides that um, he's going to help the dragon. So he says, "I'll, you know, I'll sort it out. Don't worry. I'll have a word, I'll have a word with the king. Um, everything's going to be good." So. He tells the king, the king believes him. Um, the matchmaker gets brought to the king and he gets sent to prison. Um, they go and get the dragon, they go back to the castle and now the, as a punishment, the matchmaker has to make the matches for everyone for free and the dragon will stay the king's personal firelighter. They have a feast, then the man comes and says, oh, there's some new clothes in here for your... It, have you noticed that the um, when so the man that comes and says, oh, come with me, there's like some new clothes for your to change into for the feast rather than being your suit of armor. He always has to trick him to get him off, to get him out back into the. Um... Well, yeah, I did think that. Yeah, I did think that. So he basically says, "Come with me." And he's back in the change room. Then he said he doesn't want to come to the party, but he'll be back. Um, so the next one I watched was uh, Aladdin. I'm not sure if you want to go first on the, or on the next one. I think the balloon one came next. All right, do you want to do the balloon oh, one? Did you, do you remember the uh, the gift that he went away with? No. Can't it was remember. a box of matches decorated with a picture of, of a, a dragon. dragon. Yeah. So balloonist Darrow or Mr. Ben goes ballooning. So yeah, the, Mr. Ben he's basically watching the kids playing with balloons and the clouds drifting in the sky, and he's like, "Oh, it's quite fascinating." So then he's going to the costume shop to get his adventure fix. Obviously, he knows the uh, the routine by now. Because obviously, the first episode is like, "Oh." I need to find I need to find clothes for a costume. Obviously, he couldn't find anything, and then he goes to the back alley and finds the dodgy shop. Yes, there's no more charade now. It's just straight in there. But he never buys anything. He's not supporting the guy that's trying to. He's got to run a business. He's got to put the lights. I don't know if he is. I don't know if it is a real place. I think he's the only person in the world that knows about the shop. I think I think on the outside it might be like all boarded up, but only Mister Ben can go into the shop and have his uh, final adventures. And besides, how's that how's that shop going to get any footfall when it's in the middle of a back alley anyway? When you've got all the other shops on the main road. Yeah, but it's like Brighton though. If you go around the back shop, back streets and stuff like that, you find some cracking little shops. Yeah, you get all the junk shops. Do you know like um and I'm I'm not sure how you feel about this, but junk yeah, shops. I don't mind, I don't mind a junk favorite shop. Thing. You walk around, you find some all sorts of tat they you don't, don't do need. junk shops here. No, exactly. There, there used to be a ton of junk shops here in, in where I live. There used to be a ton. It used to be my thing growing up, going to junk shops and buying things for 10p. Yeah, exactly. That's you can buy like a whole sofa. You can buy like a, um, what do you call it? Chaise lounge for like 20p. <laughs> Mum, I bought this. Take it back. Where are we going to put it? <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, he's um going in and he's going to the costume shop. What's he wearing in this one? He's wearing oh his suit and hat. And he goes through the other door, finds himself in a crowd of people, and they're all getting ready for a hot air balloon race. And Mr. Ben is out like, having a look around. Everyone's all partnered up. Then he finds this young man and He's thinking, oh, um, I need to find someone to race with because my uh, my partner's not here. And everyone's looking around. And you've got uh, Baron Bartram and his psychic. And basically, they, you know, he's, he's a cheating git. And he's doing anything he can to try and cheat. And, yeah, so he's already, like, before the race even begins, he's, like, already messed up all the other balloons. So he's he's cut off the propellers off one. He's basically one of them had wings and he's managed to like cut off the wings. And with with uh, Mr. Ben and the young man, he's managed to like attach it onto some drain pipe so they can't set off. And yeah, so they're all basically, you know, he he pulls up the 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 the, the drain pipe and then he and then they basically, you know, in a race and so they start to catch up with the Baron and his his assistant. And so the Baron is cheating because he manages to get like a horse and he attaches the horse onto the air balloon and the horse is just basically basically just running off into the distance. And Mr. Ben has an idea to let out some of the gas. And so it basically forms some kind of like a jet propulsion sort of thing. So it's just kind of going forward but it's going down as well and the baron is basically the the horse becomes frightened of the 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 air and the balloon so the the horse just kind of turns around and goes the other way and mr ben and the other guy they win and yeah so you know it's basically the gold cup and prize money and Mr. Ben's like, yo, where's my one? And then obviously the shopkeeper comes and goes, yep, I'm going to give you your medal inside. And so he's walking off with the shopkeeper and boom, they are back in the changing room. And the shopkeeper gives Mr. Ben his medal. And obviously the uh, the souvenir or the memorabilia from that episode or that adventure is the medal. He uh, the next one I watched next was Aladdin, um, and it starts off and he sees a man selling a carpet to a neighbor, uh, like a uh, like a yeah like a Persian rug kind of thing. Um, goes to, he goes to, so he decides to go to the shop, dresses up, and he gets given this carpet. Uh, he goes through a door. Now he's in the desert. He sits down on the carpet. It starts to fly. Obviously, um, so it flies off to this town. Uh, he gets to town. This little boy's in trouble. And a boy gets taken away by a man and gets told to go inside a cave to get a bottle, um, like um, Jafar and Aladdin, I guess. Um, uh, when he gets out, the bird nicks it, and then Mr. Ben helps him get um, to where the bird put it by using the flying carpet. And when they open a bottle, of course, Genie comes out, uh, and he wishes for a palace. The little boy wishes for a palace with trees and fountains and everything like that. Um and then he wishes um, for a cave of bottles, and then he then he sets the genie free. And then the man that was looking for the bottle goes into the cave, and he's got like 
millions of bottles to go through to try and find um, the Ginny. Uh, then it's uh, time to go for Mr. Ben, and then he gets given the um, the, the the lid of the bo- Ginny bottle. Not much else to that episode, to be honest. <laughs> okay, yeah, I watched two more, and the one I watched was Wizard. So, uh, how did this one start? So, uh, Mr. Ben is looking out the window to see why everyone's going to the park, and he wants to know what's going on. So, he basically goes to the park, and he's watching all these different kind of things. So, he's watching Punch and Judy, and then there's a magician, and he's basically changing flowers to goldfish and back again and a rabbit and all of that stuff. And Mr. Ben is like, oh, I want to be a magician. And he's like, okay. So he thinks, oh, where can I go and be a magician? And then he thinks, oh, I'm going to go to the shop. Then he goes to the shop and he's putting on his wizard clobber and goes through the door. He walks inside into a cave with shelves, books, and jars. He's reading a book about useful spells and wants to try them. But then people come from the palace and they're summoning Mr. Ben. But obviously Mr. Ben hasn't tried any magic yet. And Mr. Ben is seeing all the different faces and sees the king and queen and the queen is obviously concerned about her husband the king and he's not lively enough and so the queen is basically saying to mr ben i want you to do a magic trick and make him more lively and so mr ben does a little abracadabra whatever and the king starts moving about and he's knocking everything over he's knocking the guards and smashing up the palace the queen's like stop and then the queen is like, okay, I want you to make him tall and elegant. And the king is ends up being too, way too tall and he's becoming like stretch Armstrong almost. And then the queen's like, stop, 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 stop. That doesn't work. And then she says that the king should be like, uh, you know, the statue. Like he should be like noble and regal, the way the statue looks. And so Mr. Ben is like, Shouldn't you just, um, and then obviously she, Mr. Ben turns into a statue and she's like, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want that. And then Mr. Ben's like, shouldn't you just accept him for what he is instead of trying to change him all the time? And the queen accepts that, yeah, you know, he's good enough just the way he is. And the shopkeeper is calling Mr. Ben over, but the king is like, oh, do another magic trip for the road. And then he does all these little sparks and flashes. Then he goes back into the changing room, has one last look in the mirror and then changes back. And the shopkeeper gives Mr. Ben the jar that once held magic dust. And then he appreciates that his street is just ordinary and nothing too crazy happens often. And yeah, he will keep the jar forever and always. And the last episode in the finale was Gladiator. So Festive Road is being repaired and obviously Ben wants to get away from the noise and he wants to go to the shop and uh, have more adventures. He's looking at outfits and the shopkeeper appears and Mr. Ben is rather intrigued by the gladiator outfit. And obviously the shopkeeper's like, at this point, yeah, you know the way, you ain't got to say nothing, go to the changing room. Then he goes through the Narnia door, as I called it, and finds himself in the countryside where people are digging and constructing and they're building a road that will lead into town and to the arena. Obviously, if you remember doing the Romans and the Celts in history, 
you'll know all about how they built roads apparently and they're the only people in the world who invented the concept of building roads and whatnot um what else okay so yeah the emperor is uh entertained and he likes this long road and he's like oh this is great but he's like you know what? i need to look for fighters in my uh arena obviously the only person who's dressed in uh as an emperor is mr ben so he's basically going to the arena and ben want ben's going there and he's go and he sees all the other nervous fighters and they don't want to fight but they have to do what the emperor says otherwise it's thumbs down and they get a squidging, which sounds pretty disgusting. And Mr. Ben has an idea to uh, put it all right. And so the two sides are playing games instead of fighting and it's entertaining the crowd. And the emperor isn't happy about the games. But obviously, Mr. Ben's got a whistle. And every time the whistle goes, they all fall down. And then obviously, the emperor likes that. So he's like, hey, thumbs up. And then obviously, they all just keep doing that. Then he blows the whistle and I think they let one of the lions loose. And then the emperor is basically trying to get away from the lions. The shopkeeper shows up and he leads Ben back into the dressing room. And he ends up having Smasher Lagru's whistle. And I think Smasher Lagru is probably the only person who's, who's um, apart from the shopkeeper, who appeared in uh, multiple episodes of Mr. Ben. And so he's going back home to his noisy road and he uses the whistle and then there was silence. And yes, that was the end of Mr. Ben. It was good, man. I mean, I, I, again, I like the, um, the animation of him walking was, was always really great. Um, I think this was quite a easy to make quite a cheap, quite a cheap made, uh, animation from a little storybook. I thought it was quite good. Mm, definitely. Most definitely. And, uh, yeah, this was this was pretty good. The theme song was very, very iconic for me. And uh, yeah, Mr. Ben was good. Good stuff, good stuff. Next up is Banana Man. And this show came out in October 1983. And some of the things happening in the world. The first democratic elections in Argentina after seven years of military rule are held. At the 17th General Conference on Weights and Measures, the meter is defined in terms of the speed of light as the distance light travels in a vacuum in 1 in 299,792, no, 299,792,458 of a second. I don't even know if I said that right, but I'm not going to do that again. Japan's former prime minister, Kakue Tanaka is found guilty of taking $2 million bribe from Lockheed and is sentenced to four years in jail. Never Say Never Again, which I believe is a James Bond film, was in the cinemas. And Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton was number one in the charts. This is so good, this song. I actually went through a phase of uh, at work just listening to this. Just sitting in the control room, like blasting this out. It's great. Do you know who wrote this song? Um, Kenny Rogers. No, it was the Bee Gees. Really? Bee Gees I don't, I... song. Yeah, they in the eighties. The Bee Gees went on a sort of because they kind of took a break from recording and went into songwriting. Oh, I didn't know that. So they wrote, yeah, Islands in the Stream, 
They wrote um what else? They wrote so many songs. They wrote um Heartbreaker for Dion Warwick. They wrote Oh man, they 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 they, they wrote so many songs for artists. And uh, obviously they did the Grease soundtrack as well. And um, I didn't know they, that uh, either. I, I think yeah, the, the music was done by the Bee Gees for Grease. So this was when the period in time when they uh, were writing songs for people. And obviously Islands in the Stream was one that they wrote for Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. And obviously, yeah, Never Say Never Again was a James Bond film. But I believe you're the only white person I know who doesn't like James Bond. So bad, man. It's not bad. And you know what? I tell you what, right? I'm not I'm not a James Bond fan either, but um, I did, since we did James Bond Jr., I watched The Living Daylights, and I watched one from the 60s. I didn't watch all of it, I watched like most of it, and I didn't hate it. In fact, I, I actually really liked The Living Daylights. I, I liked it a lot. It, it might not be y'all's favorite James Bond film, but I think it was like a Sunday afternoon, nothing to do, switched it on. And yeah, I was watching it, and I, yeah, I thought it was, I just thought it was a hell of a film actually. But uh, yeah, so it's one of those things where if you watch it, it might not be that bad. Banana Man now, and so this was a fictional character appearing in British comic books, and Banana Man is a parody of Batman being portrayed as a schoolboy who is transformed into a muscle caped figure when he eats a banana. The original. The character originally appeared in Nutty as the back page strip in issue one, dated 16th of February 1980, drawn by John Gearing. He has since appeared in The Dandy and The Beano. The original strip by, Don- by Dave Donaldson and Steve Bright, written and developed by the letter, and mostly drawn by John Gearing until his death in 1999. Yeah, like I said, it's essentially a parody of Superman and Batman with elements of Captain Marvel and his British twin, Marvel Man, and occasionally other Silver Age characters, while also combining comic slapstick with a heavy dose of eccentric British humour, similar to Alan Moore's contemporary work on Captain Britain. Following the dandy revamp of October 2010, Wayne Thompson took over drawing Banana Man in a style reminiscent of French cartoonist Lisa Mandel, who's a popular artist in The Dandy, who had previously drawn Jack, Agent Dog, 2-0, and occasionally Bully Beef and Chips. In issue 3515, Thompson's style changed notably, becoming more cartoonish and detailed. And as of spring 2011, Thompson's version of Banana Man appears in full color over two pages. And from 1983 to 1986, Banana Man also had his own annual this was unusual because unlike many other comics at the time, Nutty never had an annual. And yeah, it's basically about Eric Wimp, who is an ordinary schoolboy living in 29 Acacia Road. Nutty Town, later changed to Dandy Town, then Beanie Town when it moved over to other comics. Eats a banana to transform into Banana Man, an adult superhero sporting a distinctive cowled blue and yellow outfit complete with a yellowed-tailed cape resembling a banana skin. His superpower includes the ability to fly, superhuman strength, often quoted as 20 men, 20 big men, but sometimes limitless with nurks, women, and snowmen all being used in place of men and seeming invulnerability. 
This is offset by the fact that he is just as naive and foolish as his alter ego, as mentioned in the comic once or twice. And he has, yeah, he has the muscles of 20 men and the brains of 20 muscles. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> that is, you know, that is so, that is so English as well. That is like typical English humor. It's muscles, 20 muscles and the brains of 20 muscles. And if Banana Man needs extra power, bananas can be eaten for strength boost, providing by his faithful pet crow. If he does not have enough strength to shatter an ice block, for example, after eating another banana, he will have enough. If he eats many bananas in one sitting, he quickly becomes obese in his transformation. If he eats bananas that are not full, he transforms with extra weight in the lower part of his body. There have also been comics where he has eaten a variant on normal bananas and transforms differently, reflecting the differences in that banana. The effects of eating the bananas are not consistent from story to story. In one Beano issue with Eric unable to find a banana, he resorted to drinking banana milk, becoming a liquid, totally useless version of Banana Man who later in the story is mopped up by a janitor. Eric Wimp was rocketed to Earth from the moon as a baby and gained these powers because the crescent moon resembles a banana. Banana Man resembles Superman in having kryptonite-style weakness to moldy bananas and a Fortress of Solitude-style building at the North Pole made out of a giant banana. Why they couldn't do that as the pilot, I have no idea. During early board meetings, the designers thought of having a banana girl accompany the series. The girl would have been called Margaret Wimp and be the sister of Eric. The idea was scrapped later on in production because the concept of two children being related without parents would be too far-fetched for children to understand. However, the idea was revived to a Bina comic strip. In the 1991 Dandy Annual, Banana Man's origin was changed to that of being a normal Earth baby in the maternity hospital who obtained these powers after unintentionally eating the banana which General Blight had hidden in a stolen supply of Saturnium and accidentally left it next to Eric. However, later issues referred to the first origin as the real one. Banana Man initially faced a different pistache supervillain every week who were often lampoons of the the kind of single issue uncreatively named villains that heroes fought during the silver age or tips off the hat to famous supervillains banana man's arch enemy is general blight a parody of adolf hitler and generic criminal mastermind who in later strips largely replaced the criminal of the week other villains included mad scientist dr gloom banana man's evil fruit counterpart apple man the mischief making weatherman and desert feed captain cream Eric's punk-style shaved head was replaced by a more typical 1980s-style haircut. Banana Man gained a talking crow sidekick called Simply Crow. And Banana Man became so stupid he often forgot how to fly or use the door. Eventually, Banana Man even began to go to school despite being an adult. Banana Man is allied with Chief O'Reilly, a stereotyped Irish policeman, apparently in homage of Batman's James Gordon or the equally stereotyped Chief O'Hara in the 1960s Batman TV series. He used to wear an Indian feather headdress as a visual pun on Chief and in later strips wore a hat with flashing blue light on the top. Chief works in a police station shaped like a giant police helmet which frequently has to be rebuilt after Banana Man accidentally destroys it. O'Reilly rings up Eric to get him to talk to Banana Man, presumably thinking Eric is Banana Man's assistant of some kind. 
as in the cartoon series, it is made clear that the chief is not aware of Eric being the superhero. And from night, yeah, and obviously when the BBC aired the cartoon series of Banana Man, it featured the voices of the members of the goodies. It was produced by 101 Productions. Parts of the character were changed for the series. He was now called Eric Twinge, had a distinctive banana-shaped hairstyle rather than a pink stubble, and had a love interest in the form of Fiona, a newsreader based on Selena Scott, and also a possible homage to Lois Lane. Graham Gordon voiced the characters of Banana Man, General Blight, and Maurice of the Heavy Mob. Bill Oddie voiced the characters of Crow, Chief O'Reilly, Dr. Gloom, and the Weatherman. And Tim Brooke Taylor voiced the characters of Eric, King Zorg of the Nurks, Eddie the Gent, Auntie, and Apple Man, as well as narrating the episodes. Jill Schilling voiced Fiona and any additional female characters, including Eric's cousin Samantha. The program lasted for 40 episodes and it was aired in the United States by the Nickelodeon Cable Network as a companion piece to Danger Mouse, but Banana Man never came close to reaching that series' American popularity. The show also aired on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation after school time slot and is considered one of the classic ABC shows. And in 1997, some episodes of Banana Man were used on the cartoon series The Pepe and Paco Show, created by Henson International Television. Some of these episodes would eventually appear in print form in The Dandy in 1998, coinciding with the BBC repeating the series that year. And on February 22 to 2021, Fox Entertainment announced they were producing a new Banana Man series with Bento Box Entertainment. Banana Man was a popular cartoon and is one of the most well-known British superheroes, taken from DC Thompson comic entitled Nutty. And it was made into a TV animated series of 45-minute episodes by Terry Ward of Flix Film United. Why was that so long? God. Felt like I spoke forever there. Ugh. Anyway, what do you uh, think of Banana Man? So, as I said, I was aware of Banana Man, um, but not like um, not completely... I didn't watch it, basically, um, as a kid. But do you know what? This was great. And one thing, as you know... I'm very, I'm a massive fan of things that are self-aware, and I think that this is quite a self-aware cartoon. And yeah, I I, I really got on with this. I thought it was really funny. Um, I like some of the jokes. Like um, there's one episode where it's like poison, and then on the next shelf it's like even worse poison, and then it's like even like so. I, you know, it's things like that I really liked. Um, and like you said, like you know, he was he had like the 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 brains of 20 muscles and stuff like that. So like he would always come a cropper like, and it would be so easy for the, for the baddies to get a better of him. Like just whack him on the head or something like that. And, um, and he'd be done for a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I quite like this. I thought it was a very nice and short, obviously, um, which, which always, which always helps to the, uh, uh the appeal and, and to the point. And it's, it's quite, yeah, I, I, I really got on with this. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny in spells. I don't know. Initially, I thought, oh, my God, even for four minutes, it's kind of dragging on a bit. And, you know, thinking of the whole, like, stereotypes and things like that, I didn't kind of mesh with it. And then when I see the the dry sense of humour, the classic British slapstick comedy, I thought it was really, really good and really, really funny about the whole poison thing. I think I even made a note of that. And yeah, 
there's obviously a bit where the the crow is teasing the 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 audience going shall i save him and they're all going yeah and he's like i oh, know i want to do it yeah come on me and all of that i thought that was so good yeah this was a and, and i can't believe you didn't watch this as a kid i mean this was probably like one of the most not the most, but like one of the iconic cartoons. This used to always come on, I think, summer holidays as well. Yeah, I mean, I just don't remember it ever being on. It's not like, you know, like I, I, I kind of knew of it and I avoided it. It's just I kind of never really saw it. Um, it was only like in my uh, late childhood, early teens, I actually became aware of this in the first place. So, so you technically you didn't hear of this then? No, I did, as in I did hear of it before today, as in before this week. Um, so I was definitely aware of it. Like I mean, I said, like I, in your childhood, in the nineties. Yeah, in the nineties, absolutely not. I, I had no idea what this was a thing. Well, there you go. That technically means that you didn't hear of it as a kid, which I would have thought it would have been Williams of Schwellington's, but not Banana Man. I thought I thought Banana Man was a lock that you would have seen it as a kid. So let's talk about episodes of Banana Man. Don't know what episode this was. I think it's the first one. So uh, boys playing with a babysitter, then Doctor Gloom and. Um, Dr. Blight was uh, making plots to take over the world uh, but the only one that's in their way is Banana Man and then I, Banana Man's really lucky because he's always watching the news and it's always the news reporter that tells him what's going on so news comes on of Dr. Gloom's plot banana, uh, this, the boy eats a banana now he's Banana Man he goes to meet Dr. Gloom and gets whacked by a hammer with him as I said he kind of um, very easily gets captured um, then they turn him into a baby. Then he cr- he's crying because he's hungry. And then the like the um, Doctor Gloom gives him a banana to like you know to so that he's not hungry anymore. But then he grows big again. He uses a mirror to reflect the baby's app. And then Doctor Gloom is a baddie. And then the stork leaves him on the other baddie's doorstep. And so it's, like, it's going to be a few years before you can uh, going to cause me any problems again. Much, these are literally four lines I'm writing now. So it's a heavy, there's a uh, the heavy mob is in jail and they're trying to escape. Um, Eddie is the uh, the leader. Um, they get they have a plan for the mole to bring him out, who's this like kind of guy in a drill car thing. Uh, the police chief calls Banana Boy and then he comes on his way. He catches them, falls and foils the plot. Very very simple episode, but still quite quite good. Uh, the weather lady is saying it's going to be sunshine, then all of a sudden. Um, uh, the weather man comes and makes it a thunderstorm. The weather man's a baddie's kind of name. Uh, Banana man throws a pie um, and uh, at the baddie, but then he said you're going to need to do better than that, and he gets frozen. The weather man shows, like, tells him his plan, very James Bond style, where he talked to him, telling the plan, um, and then so he gets thrown out of the airplane, um, so the airship, and he's wearing thermal underwear, so um, it melts the ice. I thought that was really funny. Um, then it goes to Ice Station Zero, where um, the weatherman's plan is kind of like happening from. Uh, he blows up the station, uh, which causes the weatherman to crash his ship, and the sun is shining again. And that was all three episodes in about 10 seconds of my notes, <laughs> which was, um, yeah, it was great. I did like how the news reporter, because um, I think, was it in the first episode where they wanted to save the world before the late night movie? And obviously the uh, yeah, that's news, right, yeah. the newscast is going to Banana Man like popping out of their head, going like go go on then go. I did I did I did I did like that kind of uh... yeah. This is it's that sort of thing that I really like um, about this. It's kind of like it doesn't take itself too seriously. 
uh, you know, it breaks quite a lot of conventional rules. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I thought it was very successful for me anyway. I watched the Kidnap Caper. I had to watch an episode with the title Caper in it. So, uh, yeah, it starts off with uh, the Irish policeman warning about General Blight. And the UN Christmas Club committee man was kidnapped by General Blight and he wants a ransom. So Eric has to turn to Banana Man and save the committee man and get the money. And obviously the committee man is tied onto the train and the Nutty Express is coming and it's basically about to run him over. And then the crow has to remind Banana Man of his strength because obviously he's like, don't know how to, I don't know the code to unlock the uh, the committee man. And obviously the crow's like, you're Banana Man, fool. You could break it. And then he's like, oh, okay. And so he breaks it and then he saves him. And he has to now stop the train from speeding away. General Blight is arrested and Banana Man's fans are rushing to meet him. And then obviously he's like, oh, I need to get away. So he basically turns back into Eric very quickly. Then I watched the Banana Kid. And, you know, Banana Man wants an assistant. And basically a skinny kid walks in thinking he's applying for a swimming gig. And so a banana man has to go to a job because there's a shark in the pool. And so the kid's like, oh, hurry up, hurry up. Like, wait for me. I need to catch up with you. But banana man's already flown away. So the kid attaches balloons to himself. So he's basically trying to follow after banana man. Then there's a shark in the water and banana man is basically struggling. But the kid, because obviously he's a swimmer, he catches the shark instead of banana man. And then Herman Herman, who's basically a... Big time movie producer offers the kid an acting job. And obviously Banana Man's like, I'm going to make it to Hollywood one day, ain't I? And then it's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And then the last episode was Operation Total. General Blight is assembling all the bad guys for Operation Total Destruction on Banana Man. And so the weatherman first, he tries a torpedo. And then literally, I like the message on the torpedo saying, oh, to Banana Man from all of us. And then obviously I think Banana Man manages to swap that away. And and then I think Cream, always his name was Agent Cream or whatever, he tries to throw some custard into Banana Man's face. He ducks. And then Auntie traps Banana Man and they're basically taken to uh, Dr. Gloom so that he can be split. Then the crow comes to uh, help uh, Banana Man. And obviously, yeah, like I say, he was teasing the audience going, shall I save him? And they were going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, I won't do it. I'm going to go. And they're like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. And he's like, oh, you think he's a hero? And he's like, oh, no, he's not. And they're like, oh, yes, it is. And he's just, you know what? Panto is so much fun. I've only ever been to one as a kid. And I've been to one as a kid as well. It's, yeah, I mean, I watched Mother Goose. It wasn't the best, it wasn't the best one I ever watched. But um, no, I, watched, I watched Dick Whittington. Uh, see, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I, that's the only oh, Panto I've ever been no, to. it's not. He's behind you. Oh, yeah, honestly, I mean, people go crazy for it, right? It is the whitest thing ever, but I, yeah, pantomime is fun. <laughs> I think once things starts opening up again, then uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you should uh, take in a show. And then, yeah, he 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 unties Banana Man, and yeah, so basically, he's like, oh, I want a banana yogurt to celebrate. And yeah, the Irish copper is giving him his banana yogurt. And yeah, this was literally three, four minutes an episode. And my notes basically reflect that. Yeah. So that was Banana Man. 
Yeah, I I I genuinely like this. I thought it was all the right kind of cartoon for me. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, it was it was it was funny. Like I said, it kind of like it, it grew on me as it as it kind of went on with the whole like comedy stuff and you know not taking itself too seriously and just kind of yeah taking the mick out of itself which yeah I, I think that definitely helped if it was a bit more serious it probably would have been a bit rubbish but um yeah, yeah I, I liked that it. it was very light definitely definitely and uh yeah that was that was uh some good stuff finally now williams wish wellingtons so this show first came out in october 1994 and some of the things happening in the world palau gains independence from the united nations trusteeship council World Wide Web Consortium is founded by Tim Berners-Lee, becoming the main international standards organization for the World Wide Web. The NBA shortens the three-point distance to a uniform 22 feet in an attempt to help offensive players score more. And Michael Jordan sets career highs in three-point attempts and converted three-point field goals, nearly double previous statistics. The specialist was in the cinemas. And uh, I Wanna Be Down by Brandy friend of the podcast was uh, in the charts you remember brandy don't you she made it she made a comeback on on netflix because of us right yeah exactly she, she she did moesha was on netflix and sister sister and uh girlfriends and half and half all shows that we happen to talk about and then appear on netflix soon after so uh coincidence i think not Williams Wish Wellingtons. So this was a animated BBC children's TV series produced by Hibbert Ralph Entertainment, who had previously created Spider. I loved Spider. Spider was great. Can't wait till we talk about that. I don't remember a show called Spider. It's a cartoon. I do not remember it. That doesn't surprise me. So yeah, William. Yeah, so basically how it all starts was... William decides to go out and play in the rain. When his mum saw him and the state of his shoes, she took him to buy a new pair of Wellington boots. When they arrived at the shoe shop, the shop owner picked out a pair of sparkling red boots for William. When he got home and decided to put them on, he discovered a note inside. These are Wish Wellington. Put them on and make a wish. And when he did so, the first thing he wished for was a dog, which he christened Barksham. William then realised he had the power to wish himself anywhere in the world or ask for anything he wanted. This sometimes got him into a spot of bother, such as the occasion when he wished he had the biggest conquer in the world in order to win his school conquer championship. Oh my god, this is so 80s and 90s. Conquers, you remember those before they got banned because some poor kid took one to the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was the reason why, but yeah, conquers just was like they were eased out of, uh, of our society. I don't make him like that no more. No. And the time when he wished all his toys alive to help him tidy his room, or the time when he put his Wellingtons on the wrong feet and almost prevented Santa Claus from making his delivery one Christmas Eve with a series of wishes gone wrong. He also changed the course of history several times, such as the occasion when he wished himself back to ancient Rome and beat a soldier called Superbus in a chariot race by wishing for a banquet to swore to thwart Superbus's progress as he immediately stopped his chariot and started eating it. There were also several books based on the show. Some of the ones that were based on the episodes changed their titles, such as William and Barkshaw becoming William and the Dog, William and the Alien becoming William in Space, 
and William of Arabia becoming William and the Camel. Jungle William becoming William in the Jungle and William the Storyteller, which was one of early two episodes to feature William's orange head cousin Winston. I remember him becoming William and the Giant, which were written or adapted by Athol MacDonald and illustrated by director Graham Ralph. And one was a peeping through book while the other was a coloring book and third was an activity book. And in 1998, part of the episode, William the Conqueror, which featured in an eighth series episode of Bodger and Badger, when they ran the seagulls rest bed and breakfast. Badger and Mousy wanted to watch it in one of their guest rooms and while she was watching the weather forecast. So they switched the channel with their remote while they were hiding it in the back of the room and she changed it with her own remote. They changed it again. And the get the changing went on until the guest complained to Bodger that her TV was defective. Which is a very uh, nice reference. And I can't wait till we do Bodger and Badger. And Badger and Bodger. You remember that, don't you? Yeah. That's what it Bodger is, and um, Badger. Yeah. Bodger and Badger. Badger yes. and Bodger. I don't think it was Badger and Bodger. It was just Bodger and Badger. Bodger and Badger. La, Are you sure? La, 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 la. Right, okay. La, so la, 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 la. We'll have to look, come back to this episode to see who was right. Everywhere we go. Badger loves mashed potatoes. Na, 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 na. Those are just two Bodger crazy Badger, pa- uh, puppets. Badger. Mashed potatoes. La, 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 yeah. I can't believe Bodger's not with us anymore. I have not. I didn't even know that. There's been yeah, so much he's... death in this podcast this week. Yeah, he's a... well, he's passed away, I think, a few years ago. The guy that plays um, Bodger. Yeah, he passed away a few years ago. So, Williams Wish Wellingtons. Uh, th- yeah, this show is just like definitely one one I used to watch as a kid. The theme tune just so iconic. Um, yeah, and like we were saying earlier, perfect hybrid between Hey Arnold and uh, Johnny Bravo in his looks. Um, yeah, look at just look at him, man. He's got he's got a big old quiff, and he's but he's little. He's really small. Um, I, I mean, it did help. I was watching the Cartoon Network bug was on the one I was watching, so kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Obviously, I remember watching it as a kid. I didn't particularly love it then. I'm not going to lie, I didn't really love it now I I li- even. I think I liked it more when I was a kid, to be honest. Um, I think it's one of those moral shows where, you know, you know, be careful what you wish for kind of shows literally um uh, because like like you said it almost always goes wrong for him right yeah 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 um hmm. yeah i mean i wasn't i wasn't crazy about it i know it was like three four minutes long but it kind of dragged on a little bit even those three four minutes that's what it kind of felt like i didn't i didn't i didn't connect with the show as i did with the others is what I'm probably trying to say. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't click with this show. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it wasn't the most interesting show, to be honest. Right? I mean, it didn't help that I could only find two episodes to watch on this one. Um, even though you said there was three to watch, I couldn't find the third. Yeah, I, I think it's just one of those really short, really quick cartoons. But it was neither here nor there. It wasn't like it didn't stand out. It was just probably like a uh, like a filler for uh, the broadcasters just to stick in somewhere and no one really pays attention either which way. Yeah. um, 
look, yeah, it was, it was, it. Look, I'm not saying it was horrible. It was bad. It was boring. No, whatever. no, yeah, no, at all. I yeah, yeah. Did, I just didn't connect with it, and it didn't help that there wasn't many episodes on on online, just yeah. the ones that we had. So uh, I mean, maybe that was a blessing in disguise. Otherwise, it'd have been right down the bottom <laughs> of the pile. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Like, um, let's talk about episodes. Yeah, so I mean, did you watch three of episodes? Down, yeah, I, I, I watched everything that was there basically. So I watched one um, where he was in a picnic and went for a picnic, left the gate open. So uh, William left the gate open. He got told by his mum to go and have a look if he if he did it, which I thought was quite responsible because he had to go for ages to check that it was closed. Uh, he left it open, and the farmer was really sad. So uh, because the sheep escaped, he goes and looks. They check everywhere, and then he wishes for a haystack. Then he wishes for a sheepdog, but the sheepdog run, the haystack blows away, and the sheepdog runs after a cat. Then he finds a sheep, but it's lonely, so he wishes for a companion for the sheep. And then the farmer's happy again. Um, the next one I watched was called William of Arabia. So he's playing in the sand with Berkshire. Then he wishes to be in a desert because there's loads of sand. Then they make a massive sound castle, but they need water for a moat. And then the camel come who's lost, uh, but they're looking for an oasis. So he wishes for the castle to be big. Um, but they can't get on the castle, so they wish for a pyramid so they can see for miles around. Then they're walking around in the desert and looking for the oasis again, but they wish for ice cream, but then the ice cream melts. Um, then they look for some uh, the oasis some more, then they find it using the camel, and then he wishes to go home. And Yeah, very short, very... very they're episodes, aren't they? That's, that's all they are. Did you not watch the genie one? No, I, I, like I said, they're the only two ones I could find. Yeah, there was one more. So basically, it's William and the genie. William can't sleep because he's thinking about some genie and a lamp. Then he wishes for a magic carpet, and he's basically flying into a cave looking for the genie. William wishes for the lamp for the genie, but no dice. And genie obviously wants his old lamp. And when William makes a wish, different kinds of lamp comes up. So like a lava lamp, a normal lamp, etc., etc. Then William and the genie are looking for their lamp. They find one. So they, 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 they see a guard and he's distracted by a monkey. So he goes off and the genie sees the lamp in the king's bedroom. The king's trying to read, but he's like, oh, I can't see with this lamp. I can't see with this lamp. And William trade with the king and the genie gets his lamp back. And magic lamps are good, but wish wellingtons are better. And yeah, that was the end of that. And that was probably the shortest review of a tv show that we have done on yesterday's capers yeah i think that's got to be up there isn't it um yeah i don't really have anything else to say about which one it's just, it's a it's a show uh and it's and it's not bad and it's not particularly good and it's only five minutes long so yeah and on that note let's uh rank these shows from three down to one uh this was an easy one for me this week um because it was right on my street and i like the self-awareness and the comedy banana man was my top followed by mr ben which was quite endearing and like i said nice and so nice soothing voiceover uh very pleasant cartoon just in general and then just because it was kind of no, neither here nor there was williams wish wellingtons so uh, my number three was williams wish wellingtons thought it was very forgettable and there you go number two for me was banana man I liked it. I thought it was quite funny. But yeah, Mr. Ben was my number one because I thought it was very endearing. It was very nice. It was very, um, 
yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was, you know, listening to the story attentively and uh, you know, I didn't want to miss anything. So, yeah, in that respect, that's my number one. And on that note, we've uh, got the first episode in a while in the books. So uh, Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your podcast from. Give us a listen. I know it's been a minute, but, yeah, keep listening to our podcast and keep listening. We've got some more episodes for all of you. We're available on all the podcast platforms, so uh, give us a listen on there. You can find us on the socials at it was at Instagram, it's uh, Yesterday's Capers 1. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. Facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. You can find me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. On Twitter, it's Abdullah Molim, all one word. Give us a like, give us a share, and uh, join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. Bye.